0: Anyways, the Lake Show, Steve Thompson in for Henry Lake. Rare night off for Henry. He'll be back Monday night on the Big Show with producer Chris Tubbs here on News Talk, a three O W WCCO. We get started here on this Super Bowl weekend, San Francisco and Kansas City in the big game on Sunday night. Before we say goodbye tonight, uh, we'll, we'll get into that, uh, share some predictions. Uh, and and really the one that everyone wants to know will Taylor Swift uh, make it back from Tokyo uh, for the game in time? A <laughs> lot uh, going on always in the world of space flight, and I, I I love this and ever since I was a little kid and remember uh, Apollo eleven, Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin walking on the moon in July of 1969. I read a lot of books and follow it a lot and. One of the sites I follow regularly is Space.com, and Mike Wall has been good enough to join us from time to time, and he writes for Space.com. Mike, good to visit with you.
1: Good to talk to you.
0: Yeah, thanks so much uh, for the time. Are you going to watch the big game on Sunday night?
1: Yeah. We, you know, I live in San Francisco, so I'll be going <laughs> for the Niners for sure, although I, I don't know. I, I I don't feel good about it. Going against Mahomes is never fun.
0: Yeah. For sure, uh, already one of the greats of all time. I I always hope and just because I, I was a kid when the Vikings last made it to the Super Bowl that uh, I, I just always hope for a good game. You know, uh, yeah, that, that yeah. that's what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, Mike. They... It, yeah, as we move into 2024, obviously a lot going on, and and so often we talk about SpaceX and what they're doing, but uh, they they launch a ton of Falcon 9 rockets, uh, Starlink satellites, other hardware for other customers. They're launching humans on these Falcon 9 rockets. It, it, it really is extraordinary what they're doing. And they have, they have big goals for 24, and they, they seem to be right on track.
1: Yeah, they actually launched, I think they, they launched 10 missions in January, 10, 10 orbital missions. So that's on pace for 120 in a year, obviously, 12 months in a year. They've said, and that that's with some, like, there's been a lot of bad weather in Florida and off the California coast where they launched from, you know, they launched from both of those sites. And they've had a lot of delays that have kind of pushed that number kind of artificially down. So they've said they want to launch about 144 to 150 missions this year, which is just insane. But they probably are on track to actually do it.
0: Yeah, and you know, the success, I mean, speaking of that, uh the the launches happen so frequently and the the fact that not only are they getting these payloads into orbit, but they're still returning the first stages uh c- continues to be incredible and the the world and customers have taken notice of the reliability of this system. And and more importantly, the cause to this system, and and I brought this up before when I've talked to other people that that cover space flight, etc. If you take a step back and go back ten or fifteen years and say that SpaceX would be doing what they're doing right now, is there an engineer that would have believed it?
1: No, I mean it's 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 pretty crazy, you know. They're they're really all the stuff that they've been doing the last few years. We 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 sort of take it for granted that they're that they're landing these rockets and I I can't remember like the last time they actually had a failure either on the launch or the landing. With with the launch it's probably been since 2016, I believe. They probably had a landing failure sometime after that, but I can't I can't remember when it was. They've had so much success in a row. It's just really it's it's easy to get blasé about it and you kind of think they've got it figured out and they've got to figure it figured out more than anybody else has, but you still need to remember that this stuff is really hard and, yeah, you can't you can't just take it for granted even though they success.
0: Mike Wald joining us from Spades.com on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, so success after success with Falcon 9, but that's not the big prize. We We continue to talk about starship and uh the the super heavy booster that that's been assembled they've done a couple of uh full test launches they haven't been able to reach all of their goals but the first one they learned a lot second one they made improvements to the pad and beyond and they came very very close uh to to reaching their goals of getting starship around earth and bringing it down in hawaii i mean it 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 came that close, and uh, about a day ago, uh, you you did a piece talking about how NASA has some footage that was newly released on all of that.
1: Yeah, it was, um, I, I guess, they actually released it through the FOIA, you know. I mean, somebody must have put in a request, like, through the Freedom of, of Information Act to get, because cause NASA did... They, they they tracked that flight with some of their planes, you know, W57 planes that can fly really high altitude, 60,000 feet or so. And they actually tracked it with those planes. And we actually got to see the footage of this thing flying through, flying through the sky and almost making it to, to orbit. Like you said, I mean, Elon Musk said that, um, if it had had a payload on it that day, you know, it was just a test flight back in November, but if it had had a payload, it actually probably would have made it to orbit because what caused the, it to blow up basically or to they they had to vent excess fuel that wouldn't have been there if there had been a payload because they would have used up all the fuel. But when they, when they vented the excess fuel at altitude, it lit on fire and caused an explosion. And yeah, so it probably would have succeeded if they were doing like a satellite launch that day, which is kind of crazy on the second flight of starship.
0: Yeah. And, and Mike, the, they say they're ready to go. They're waiting for the proper approvals from the government. But, but remember NASA, an arm of the United States government, has a lot of buy-in with Starship. So I, I would assume they're going to get the necessary approvals and con- continue to move forward because it, putting humans on the moon are, are going to rely on the Starship. So th- this is a big part of that goal of getting people back on the moon.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're very bought in. I mean, NASA has a huge investment in Starship's success. You know, they, they picked Starship as the first lander, the first kind of human lander for the Artemis program, which wants to build a moon base near the moon's south pole and, you know, use that the knowledge we learned doing that to make it to Mars. And, um, yeah, so if everything goes according to plan, NASA wants to launch people on a moon mission to the surface for the first time in, like, 2026. And I don't know, that's pretty yeah. that's pretty soon with, with Starship having just flown two test flights like that might seem a little quick considering they probably want to fly a lot of uncrewed flights before they actually put people on it. Um but yeah, that's the kind of timeline NASA wants. You know, Elon Musk is he's even more aggressive than NASA is. He probably thinks they can do it by then or or maybe even quicker than that. But yeah, we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, and and back to the launch itself. It sounds like they're ready to go, and this ultimately was the SpaceX track record when they were building Falcon 9, and then uh, beyond that, the Dragon capsule. I mean, you test, you, you fail, you learn, you test again, and it looks like they're in that mode and ready to proceed on that cadence. And, and we're talking some gigantic, Gigantic hardware here uh fully stacked starship with the super heavy booster i mean this is this is a building oh a large building
1: it's 400 feet tall it is just you can't even it's it's so big i mean you you really don't have any sense of scale with it when you see it in a photo or a video of it launching it is gigantic it's the size of like a 40 story building that's how tall it is so yeah it's it's pretty crazy
0: yeah, so those of you that are out and about driving around downtown Minneapolis, uh, what, what what's the IDS Center? You know, not much taller than that, or uh, the other tallest buildings in downtown Minneapolis. So it it really does give you the idea of the scale. But I I hear it could happen soon. Still, maybe in the first quarter of the year.
1: Yeah, yeah, they've, they've said that they are technically ready or they will be sometime this, this month. They're just waiting for the, um, for the launch, the launch license to come in from the FAA, from, from the federal, yeah, from, from like the Federal Aviation Administration. But the FAA is still like looking into the, the last flight, which ended with an explosion. So, you know, they've, they've, they're a government agency and there are laws they have to abide by and they have to make sure that like, like whatever happened on the last flight, you know, we've got to prevent that from happening again on this next flight or to our best, to the best kind of like degree that they can. So, yeah, I mean, people get frustrated by this and they just want to go, go, go. But yeah, there are laws in place to, to, to try to protect us as people living around the, the launch site, you know, and the wildlife and all that. That's, that's kind of, it's like kind of out of the FAA's hands in terms of, just sort of speeding everything along to get it going as fast as everybody wants to.
0: Mike Wall joining us from Space.com. We'll take a very quick break. We'll come back. Mike joining us here on a Friday night news talk, A3O-WCCO. We continue with Mike Wall from Space.com talking space flight, a lot about SpaceX and what they're doing. Of course, uh, they are a... Huge player in the industry. Um, I I wanted to get into a couple of other things that revolve around a space flight in this country. And that was a company, this little company called Boeing, that was awarded a contract around the same time SpaceX did to ultimately ferry astronauts from Earth to the International Space Station. Well, we know how SpaceX has done uh, they have a uh, ferried crews for NASA uh, and for private enterprise into low earth orbits. Uh, so uh, that that's gone very well, not so well for Boeing and they may finally fly humans this spring.
1: Yeah, they're, they're trying to do, or they're kind of working toward their first kind of astronaut test flight in April. <clears throat> and yeah, that's a, uh, it's been a really long wait, considering that they they and SpaceX were both awarded the those contracts from NASA in September 2014, and since then, you know, SpaceX has already launched seven astronaut missions, or actually eight if you count their test flight uh, to the space station for NASA. They're gearing up for their ninth one in a couple weeks or less, and. um and that doesn't include some of the side missions they've done you know they've launched four other ones i think three to the space station for the for this company Axiom Space and then another one called Inspiration4 which is for for a billionaire Jared Isaacman he just he like went up to earth orbit with three other people in 2021 on a SpaceX dragon so yeah they've they've launched more than 10, 10 astronaut missions to orbit in the time that we've been waiting for Boeing to to put to put one astronaut on board, you know they're going to put two on in this test flight that's supposed to launch in April. Um, so yeah, we'll 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 see if and when it actually happens.
0: And Mike, it, it gets back to uh, another part of Boeing's business and some of the 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 quality issues associated with their seven thirty seven Max, uh, quality issues in building the Starliner capsule. A flammable tape was discovered. And they they had to literally unravel or or cover that tape in this capsule. It just seems mind boggling that that could happen at this level of aerospace, and that that's why it's been delayed so long. And talk about a a huge flight if and when they do fly uh, with humans on board. That, that is a big deal for Boeing the brand. Period yeah they also had they had that the flammable tape thing
1: you know they they already had installed all the wiring and it was wrapped wow. by this tape and it was it, they discovered or they determined afterward that it was flammable or maybe they knew it was flammable, but they didn't think it was a big deal, but then they decided it was a big deal, and it all had to to either come out or be mitigated somehow and they also had like an issue with the with the main parachute system like apparently it was not able to hold as much of a load as they thought it was so they had to kind of mitigate that too. It is it is really kind of surprising and we get we get spoiled. It's kind of like we were talking about earlier with SpaceX just how easy SpaceX makes it look and seeing Boeing's all the delays they've had and the kind of troubles they've had it is a reminder that it's it is pretty hard to design and develop a brand new spacecraft especially one that's carrying humans. Because everything has to be right, and if there's a problem, you've got to correct it because, you know, you can't put astronauts on a system that has even one, like, one safety issue because, you know, you just can't, I mean, you can't risk that.
0: Yeah, and, and Mike, this gets back into a big philosophical discussion. SpaceX has done it. The, the Chinese are doing it. The Russians have sent humans into low Earth orbit and returned them safely to Earth. So, so that's not groundbreaking, but we haven't sent humans back to the moon in a long, long time. We're, we're talking early seventies was, was the last trip to the moon, Apollo 17. And yeah. it gets in, it, it it gets into this topic where it's like, yeah, we did it back then. And we're more willing to take risk. I mean, sending human beings and what they need to live on the moon, let alone Mars, is, I I don't know how many degrees more difficult, but it's a lot more difficult.
1: Yeah, and we we were more more willing to take risks back in the space race too because, you know, it's a totally different climate back then. It, It was, I mean, getting... Yeah, I mean, putting people on the moon before the, the Soviets did was viewed as like a national security imperative for us to to show like the rest of the world that the U they should throw their, their lot in with the U.S., that we were the future sort of. And, um, and, and at that time, you know, there were a lot of developing nations that had just gained their independence com- coming out of colonialism and were looking for a superpower to align themselves with. And that's one of the main reasons why. The Cold War space race was viewed as so important by the U.S. and the Soviet Union is, is to try to convince these these new nations that you know you 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 have to pick a side. You you should pick our side because we're the technological future. So we we were willing to take bigger risks, and you know there there were fatalities. The, the Apollo One fire in 1967, we we lost three astronauts in the Apollo program just on on the launch pad during a test. Um, so we did take risks, and we and we paid for it to some degree, but. Yeah, now it's like it, there is not that same national security imperative. You you see it kind of building with the, all the rhetoric about what China wants to do. And you see a lot of there there's some congressmen now talking about how we must beat China back to the moon. You know, I mean, whoever gets to the moon first will get to set the precedent and we want to do it so that it's done responsibly and so forth. That kind of rhetoric is starting to build, but it's like nowhere near where it was during the space race with the Soviet Union.
0: Yeah, and it gets back to what we talked about with Starship and how that fits into NASA's plans. And you're you're talking all sorts of new technologies of Starships launching and then setting up a a fueling depot in low Earth orbit. Then that would fuel a ship that would go. I mean, it's not like what we learned about the Apollo missions where, you know, they launched on a Saturn V and they took everything they needed with them. And they were relatively short stays it, the goal is to get humans to the moon, but ultimately set up a base and a presence on the moon, and that takes a, a whole lot more technology and a whole lot more launches than you know what they were able to package together in the 60s and early 70s to get people there and return them safely to Earth.
1: Yeah, that's that's the other big thing that people need to to remember when they're talking about. Well, why why is it so hard? Why don't we just send people back? We did it fifty years ago with 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 like yeah. slide rule technology. Yeah, I mean it is a different goal, right? We aren't just doing the flags and footprints thing. We do want to build a moon base. We want to set up those fuel depots, like to, that that you were mentioning. And there there's a lot of water ice on the moon near the south pole that these scientists think there is. And so what we want to do that's that's why the South Pole is the site for the base is we want to be able to mine that water ice and turn it into rocket fuel, and you know so that we can actually kind of like refuel spacecraft's tanks when they're at the moon and then they can go farther afield even like to mars it's It's a much more ambitious kind of undertaking than just going to the moon planting a flag and coming back so that's another reason why it's harder, and it's taking a while,
0: yeah, and that that that's why it made take longer and as you pointed out earlier and i completely agree if spacex had the budget and the wherewithal they they would they would probably move much quicker than say nasa and other countries that will likely need to be on board to make this a reality to actually get it built the United States will need partners. And then I think ultimately to put humans on the moon, like science fiction is depicted, it's it's probably going to take a lot of countries pooling their resources to be able to pull that off because you're you're talking about going to another planet and the journey is long, extremely dangerous. They're going to need to take a lot of stuff with. I mean, this, this is a gigantic undertaking.
1: Yeah, and it's one that that's, that's something NASA is very clear about. You know, they, they want this to be done in partnership with other countries. They've got yeah. this kind of, this, this sort of agreements called, called the Artemis Accords where basically countries sign on to say, we will go to the moon with the U S and we'll do it responsibly and peacefully. And uh, there's about 33 other countries, I think, something like that have signed on. Um, it's like, it's basically like a framework for what's coming in moon exploration. And, and obviously, NASA has also said that they're going to rely very heavily on the private sector, as we we already talked about. You know, I mean, they're 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 going to rely on on Starship to to get astronauts down to the lunar surface and back. And they're they've signed up um, they've signed contracts with with various private companies for for robotic lunar lander trips to the to the surface to, with with NASA payloads on board. You know, science instruments. Uh, we actually saw one of those launch last month, and it it didn't make it to the moon, but um, we're going to see another one launch in a few days or so on on the 14th early in the morning with some NASA science gear on board uh, so yeah it's it's a it's a big partnership uh, a big undertaking and it's not yeah it's not just NASA NASA's leading it, but they've they they want a lot of help along the way.
0: yeah, fun stuff to watch, always a lot of great reading at space.com I really appreciate your work, uh, Mike, and hopefully we can visit again soon.
1: Yep, sure thing. Always good talking to you.
0: All right, there he is, Mike Wall, uh, senior writer with Space.com, joining us here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. It is 8.30, quick update on the weather. And then Jordan Bianchi will join me. Yep, motorsports is back. Uh, Speed Weeks at Daytona 500, the Great American Race, all coming up quick. We'll get into that here on News Talk. E3O-WCCO. Yeah, I know it's... Super Bowl Sunday coming up, but then it's Speed Weeks at Daytona Motorsports, fans, wait all winter for this, and uh, a lot of great activity down, and one of these years, I'm going to get to a Daytona 500, I'm jealous this guy's been to a bunch of them, Jordan Bianchi covers motorsports for The Athletic, Jordan, it's been a while, I hope you're doing well.
2: I'm doing well, thanks for having me on Steve Always a pleasure, and yeah, we need to get you to Daytona man We'll give you the Royal oh, treatment when we get in there
0: Yeah, I, I, I would just absolutely Love it, uh, I've been to shows In Phoenix, and that's really cool But, but I gotta get to the 500 I, I've never yeah, been to a Super Speedway It's
2: Unlike anything, because, you know, they're going by at two hundred miles an hour in a large 30, 40 car pack, and they're blown by it, and it's just, it's a great, I mean, it's one of those things that kind of transcends sports, right? Like, you know, Kentucky Derby, Super Bowl, like, even if you're not a a fan of that sport, just being there and taking electricity and what it's about is an experience unlike any other.
0: Yeah, and no doubt, in in the roar, and I even felt that at, at Phoenix, you know, when When they get the green, you know coming out of a caution and fire it up that, that's that's pretty cool, and I think another thing you you don't get on television, and I think over the years they've done a phenomenal job televising this sport and capturing what it's all about, but it's still not like being there and mm-hmm. seeing the pit crews in action. When you're there live, when a car comes into the pits and these guys fly over the wall (laughs) and are changing Ford tires and filling it with fuel, and as quick as they do that, it is mind-boggling live in person.
2: It is. You know, the best comparison i can make is hockey like watching hockey and TV yep, on tv on is, is great and fantastic but seeing it in person and seeing the speed and that everything is unfold in front of you 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 then you have another appreciation for it and racing you know nascar is really one of those sports the sights the sounds the smells of actually being at the track and i say to anyone if you've never been to a race before you go to a race you're going to walk away you may not become like a diehard fan but you're yep. going to walk away with appreciation for it that you maybe didn't have before
0: by the way, Jordan Bianchi joining us from The Athletic. He covers motorsports on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Speed week's coming up, but let's go back in time to the Coliseum and the Clash. I know they were fighting the weather. They ended up doing the show on a Saturday night, trying to get it in before all the storms. Your thoughts on this year's Clash?
2: Um, it, was, it was interesting. I mean, it was an unprecedented move by NASCAR to move it up a full day. I mean, it's never been done in their, in their modern era. But you look at the forecast and when we were there, and it was like heavy storms Sunday, Monday, into Tuesday, and maybe even Wednesday. And you're thinking, how is this going to happen? They think they can't wait in town on the West Coast. Uh, when they've got to be on the East Coast in, in a week and a half. And it just you look at the logistics of it, you look at the weather forecast, um, the fact that emergency service personnel were probably going to have to be dispersed elsewhere within the community, which yeah. they were. Uh, it just didn't make sense. And moving it to Saturday night, it wasn't ideal. It was you know, it was a last-minute thing. It fell off a network TV. It went to cable, all of those things. But at the end of the day, you didn't have a choice. It was like either you race Saturday night or you don't race at all. Um, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. And it's probably, you know, it, probably going to be the last race in the Coliseum, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, and it's unfortunate that was kind of how it went. But, again, they didn't have a choice.
0: Yeah, and you can't do much about the weather, that is for sure. And we'll see it from time to time throughout the season that, you know, there, there's just going to be yeah. weather events, and hopefully the weather is good for Speed Weeks down at Daytona. What happens to the Clash? What are your thoughts? Where is this going to end up?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question, and it's kind of, I mean, it's very much up in the air. I know what NASCAR would like to do. I mean, they would like to keep it as a unique kind of standalone event in a market that is underserved or never, never been to before, um, i.e., like maybe a race in Mexico, for example. Um, But, you know, it's hard to do. It's not easy to do and pull it off. And the race is going to, you know, the the logistics of the race dictate that it's going to basically be in early February, the weekend before the Super Bowl. Well, you look at the, the the you look at the time of year. There's not many places you can race in, and that that's the problem. And so, if you can get into Mexico and race there somewhere, oh, awesome. Yeah. That that would check a lot of boxes. Um, but if you can't, then what? Does it go back to Daytona for a year? Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, it's a fallback option. Um, certainly, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this, though, because you, the NASCARs kind of set the standard with the Coliseum, of making this a unique event in in unique location. So. Um, to keep that momentum going forward, uh, good luck, because it, it's not going to be easy to do.
0: Yeah, and they, they pumped a lot of money into that show at the Coliseum, that is for sure. Uh, by the way, Denny Hamlin took the checkered flag. Let's get on to speed weeks. Uh, you, you got qualifying, uh, you've got the duels, and then ultimately the Daytona 500 uh, a week from Sunday. And once again, we keep our fingers crossed that the weather's going to be good, and they'll be able to get all of this in. But it, it is a huge week for the sport.
2: It is. I mean, it's it, it's it's cliche, and it's been said all the time. It is NASCAR Super Bowl, and the unique thing about it is it's also the first race of the year. Right. Um, it's also one of the races, because of the Super Speedway, it's a great unknown, and it, it feels like it is very much a race that you know, 30 different guys could win and it's, it's fascinating to watch, but it is exciting. And it's, it's again, it's kind of go back to the earlier conversation. It's one of those races that casual fans know and recognize it is the most watched race in the United States every year. And there's a reason for that. Um, it's a tradition and it has become significant and it's going to be interesting to see if this race is the launching pad that NASCAR wants it to be coming off of an off-season where they've got this new Netflix show and they're trying to, you know, it's kind of replicating Formula One's popularity in some degree yeah. and there's a lot of buzz about it right now, so we're going to see if there's any uh, impact from that as
1: well.
0: Yeah, we, we continue to see some legendary drivers step away, Kevin Harvick to the booth um, and that's about, and Denny Hamlin once again won the clash. He he He's still a big name and uh, still running very well but nevertheless it is about building the young stars and continuing to build those brands and get people excited about the new drivers as these very popular veterans continue to step away
2: it is i mean it's, it's you're kind of this transition thing we've seen a lot of veterans and name drivers step away over the last few years kevin harvard's now the most recent um yeah. danny hamlin's you know, let's be honest, he's closer to the end of his career than the beginning of his career, though it doesn't it doesn't seem like he's going to go away in the next couple of years. Um, but you, you do have a lot of young guys emerging. You've had Chase Elliott. You've got Ryan Blaney, who won the cup championship last year. Um, you've got guys like a Tyler Reddick, who drives for Michael Jordan's team. You've got a Bubba Wallace. I mean, you do have this cross-sector of young drivers coming in who it's their job now to carry it forward. And, and I will say that the, the era, this era of NASCAR is probably the most competitive or one of the most competitive um, in history just because it is. there are legit, you know, 20 to guys that can win on a given week. And you look at the guys racing for the 16 playoff spots, and, you know, last year Chase Elliott didn't make it. And it's every year you, you always got one or two big names that don't make it. it it's really, really tough. But, you know, the, the big question that NASCAR needs, and we have talked about this a lot, is NASCAR needs that big name crossover star driver who, you know, non-fans even recognize, like a Jeff Gordon or a Dale Earnhardt Jr.
0: Yeah, and and they're waiting for that. Certainly among motorsports fans, Chase Elliott has kind of grabbed that and moved forward, popular driver year mm-hmm. in and year out. But, you know, taking it to the next level and, you know, having him bounce back, get into the playoffs uh, w- would certainly be big. Before I let you go, Jordan, uh, going into speed weeks in this season, what are a couple of storylines you're looking at?
2: Yeah, I mean, one is you know it's it kind of centers around Tony Stewart's team, um, Stewart Haas Racing, and, and Tony and, and that team, and they have just had their struggles the last few years, and that team is really need of a bounce back. A lot of questions about them and what direction they're headed in and their future and everything. Um, they lose Kevin Harvick. Uh, that is team of team very much in transition right now. What can they do? Um, the other thing we talked about is you know this Netflix show that that is out there now. Is it going to give NASCAR the jolt like it did um, for Drive to Survive when Formula One had its show? And those are really the two big things. And then a continued. Um, emergence of the young drivers, whether it's a Chase a winning a second championship or Ryan Blaney winning a second championship or one of NASCAR's other young drivers uh, emerging and kind of taking the uh, bull by the horns.
0: Yeah, and by the way, motor fans here in the upper Midwest, a couple of great opportunities to uh, see NASCAR, that's for sure. Iowa Speedway, June wow. 16th. Um, I- I'm thinking about it. I'm gonna try and work the schedule to get down there. I, I might jump in on tickets early. I, I really want to see a show down there at Iowa. It's a fantastic
2: track. It's about a four hour, four and a half hour drive yep. down from from the Twin Cities. It's a really easy drive right down thirty-five. Um, it's a great race track, And it's really great to see that market get a race because there's some great race fans in the upper Midwest. Um, it, there's a lot of excitement. I was one of those tracks that really sent it open, you know, fifteen years ago or so drivers in the industry have been clamoring. Like, get Iowa on the schedule. Get Iowa on the schedule. Why isn't Iowa on the schedule? Well, it's on the schedule, and the tickets are going to go, and it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fun. It's going to be Father's Day weekend, so it's going to be a good time, and it's going to be fun to see a lot of people come down from the Twin Cities and check that out.
0: And, by the way, another chance for Upper Midwest Motorsports fans, Sunday, July 7th, the Grand Park 165 NASCAR back in Chicago, right there in the heart of the loop. Hopefully the weather's better. they can't be any yeah. worse than <laughs> <I year. know. laughs> All right, Jordan, good to visit with you, man. Uh, appreciate your coverage at The Athletic, and hopefully we can do it again. Absolutely, Steve. Great talking to you, and we'll talk down the road. All right, there he is, Jordan Bianchi from The Athletic, covers motorsports speed weeks at Daytona. Next week, the 500, a week from Sunday. We've got more in a moment. We'll talk Super Bowl predictions coming up here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. All the news at 9. Major Garrett following the news at 9 o'clock tonight. Always learn something. I'll be back tomorrow. Regular show between 3 and 6. For those of you that tune in for Tech Talk, Doug Swinhart still under the weather, not feeling well. Uh, We hope for a quick recovery for Doug. So no tech talk tomorrow at 3, but we're going to talk about a huge week in politics, an extraordinary week in politics. Professor David Schultz from Hamlin will join us at 3, and then we'll get into some of our regular sports Saturday stuff, talk Timberwolves, uh, wild uh, college hoops, and, of course, the big game. Speaking of the big game, Uh, The Super Bowl, Las Vegas, coming up Sunday at 5.30 yard time, game on CBS, Jim Nance, Tony Romo. It'll be San Francisco and Kansas City, the Niners' two-point favorites, over under 47-and-a-half. But let's get out of the way the most important prediction of all. Chris Tubbs. Yes. Will Taylor Swift do her concerts in Tokyo and be there for the big game she will yeah i, she, I agree. she will and i have a feeling cbs is paying the fuel bill whatever that is for for jet fuel from tokyo to las vegas is probably a lot
3: you, you know when you're when you, you know when you're <laughs> a kid or you're, you know your, your kids are yeah. small and you've got the santa tracker and you're like yeah, oh yeah. look kids where, where's santa claus you're like, they're going to have, where's Taylor? Where is Taylor? The Taylor Tracker. I mean, that's what it's going to be like. It's going, oh, my gosh, Taylor Swift is two and a half hours away. Is she going to, oh, yeah, she, she'll be there.
0: Yeah, she'll be there. So here's another thing. At first I thought, Taylor Swift, Kansas City, boyfriend, Travis Kelsey in the big game. This sets it up for record ratings. But there are some on the political spectrum that are really turned off by all of this. Oh, she's a psyop. Well, my my point being is uh, though. Where going. Will this be the highest rated Super Bowl ever or will some of the negatives of the the the, the haters of the Swift Kelsey relationship turn off enough viewers to keep it from being the highest rated Super Bowl? ever. Hey,
3: haters are going to hate, 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 hate. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All you got to do is shake it off. That's that's what she'll do. But I tell you what, the, the pressure is squarely. Like you like that? The, I love it. The pressure is squarely <laughs> on the Kansas City Chiefs. And my problem with Taylor Swift is this. This is her first year being a football fan and her team made the Super Bowl. How the hell does that work? What about yeah. us? Yeah. What about us? Okay. Like, yeah. I, I know, I, that's that's my one beef with Taylor Swift. Why
0: why couldn't she be going out with one of the Vikings?
3: I know. Well, she wouldn't yeah. even come to Minnesota for the Chiefs game. What did I tell you?
0: She wouldn't even yeah. come
3: here. You know what's going to happen? The Chiefs are going to lose the game, and then she's going to break up with Travis Kelsey, and she's going to leave with George Kittle. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be like a Mr. Fuji leaving demolition for the powers of pain at WrestleMania 5.
0: Well, like, like some sort of heel turn. Oh, yeah. Sort, yeah. Heel
3: Taylor. Heel Taylor. Um,
0: all right. Let's get on to the game. Let's do it. Um, You and I watch a lot of football. Follow it closely. Almost too much. Um, Yeah, you're right. I hear that (laughs) at home. That's for sure. Um, 49ers, Chiefs, big game, 49ers favored by two. I will start with this. Kansas City's defense is underrated. I think they've been a huge key for them in their run to the Super Bowl. Yes, Patrick Mahomes, one of the greatest all-time already. Travis Kelsey, arguably one of the greatest of all time. Certainly top five tight end already. Um, Dynamic duo for sure. I think the Kansas City defense is the difference, and that's why they win this game, and this game goes under 47.5. But I like Kansas City to win with D again. I'm going to take the over.
3: I think Ooh. I think this is going to be a uh, I think it's going to be a shootout. Right. Kansas City has done remarkable things in the playoffs. Look at what they did you know, beating Miami, and you know Matthew Collar mentioned it last night. But it's true. And then they you know go on the road. They beat Buffalo, and then you 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 tear up the number one defense in the NFL in the Baltimore Ravens. You do that on the road. San Francisco's defense is San Francisco in name only. I'm going to take way over. I I said I'm going 35, 31. I'm going an absolute shootout in fantasy football deliciousness for those that are into the
0: gambling sort of thing. All right, so there you have it. I I just once again Kansas City going into the series thought, okay, is this going to be a strength? Is it going to be a weakness? Mm-hmm. They they had problems, but they've been really good late in the season and in the playoffs and, 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 shut yeah, down some, and, it's, and shut down quarterbacks that are way better than Brock Purdy.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think they'll figure out, I think they'll figure out a way. I really well, do.
0: Chris, it's always fun to work with you. You Good too, to buddy. Good to with you, my friend. You too. We're going to have for Henry Lake. He is back Monday night here on the Lake Show. Big thanks to all our guests. Uh, you can catch chat online, Radio, uh, dot com. the podcast available Once again, Steve Thompson talking to you tomorrow at 3 here on CCO.
4: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better